invite up my favorite human on the planet. Oh my goodness, my husband is delivering an amazing word today. Um, tell you, he's my favorite teacher ever. Every time, like, I live with him, and I'm like, how is one person so dang wise? Like, everything out of his mouth is like wisdom. So you guys are in for a treat. And take notes, because you're going to go home and germinate on this stuff. So anyways, go, my favorite human. Thank you. Isn't she beautiful? Don't you just love her? I do. She's taken, though. Well, let's, um, let's just open up. I wanted to just, just extend your hands, pray for me. So, Lord, bless me with an amazing word. Let me just uh, not ever bore anybody in here, that nobody would ever fall asleep to anything that I say. And, Lord, just uh, let this transform us. Let it transform me so that I can help you transform other people. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, the, the sign has changed. I don't know if you noticed, this is the, the sermon series. We did a, like something like 10 weeks on worship. And so we're in the midst of this new push that we're doing here at Upper Room. It's worship, grow, go. And so we did like 10 weeks on worship, and I get to kick off the next phase, which is grow. And grow is, is like really my passion here at the church. I am... Um, I love that the church uh, does good worship. I love that we are outward focused, trying to reach the, the, the lost. But I also recognize that we have to have something to bring people into. And so I love a healthy church. I love having healthy people. Um, I love the fact that we have people going out and doing signs, wonders, and miracles. But I also think that um, if you're wife and kids don't know you love them, then I don't really care what miracles you're doing, okay? So this, at this point, um, I'm going to be kicking off the, the grow part of this series, and um, I want to make a few points. I'm going to pull out a scripture, uh, a passage of scripture. I want to look through that, but I want to say to start things off is healthy things grow, okay? In the natural, healthy things grow. And if so, if you if you um, are you have a, a a child, there are certain marks that should be hitting as it grows. A healthy child. If the child is not growing, there's something unhealthy going on. The doctor is going to look at it and try to help you figure out what needs to happen and what needs to change. So I'm going to look at some scripture with you this morning. We're going to try to ask a couple of questions: Is what could keep us from growing? And what kind of things can we do to make sure that we do grow, that we move in the right direction? So there's a, a um, the passage of scripture I wanted to look at, it's a parable. And for those of you who may not be familiar with a parable is, Jesus used these teachings called parables all of the time. And a parable is basically a story, and it's, it's kind of, it's, it's not something that actually happened, but it's used as an illustration, okay? So the parable, when Jesus shares a parable, it's not like there was an actually person that this happened to, but he uses an example from real life to convey to us a bigger idea, okay? And the parable I wanted to look at is called the parable of the sower, and this is all about growing. 
parable of the sower, now you can find it in, in three of the Gospels, but I picked Mark. And we're going to look at Mark chapter 4. Now, the way Jesus taught in many of his, his teachings, and particularly in this parable, he would go out and he would teach to the crowds. And he would share this parable, and the crowds would only get a taste of the parable. So they, so they would get the story, okay? And there was no interpretation with the story. He would just go out and share the story. So let's look at Mark chapter 4. We'll start with verse 3. And I think I have a different translation um, than what they'll be projecting up here, but bear with me. It's, it's pretty much the same. It's not too, too different. I use the New American Standard, which they actually just changed this year. They updated it. I was always using the 1995 version. I'd memorized parts of it. I turned on my app, and what I had memorized has changed because they updated it for modern language. And so I, can, I guess I can still roll with it. Listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. As he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of soil. And when the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Other seed fell on good soil, and as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced 30, 60, and 100 times as much. So this is the part when Jesus was speaking to the crowd, that's all they got. They got this story. Okay, They didn't get any interpretation yet. Jesus just shared them this story. Jesus will sometimes share things with us basically as an invitation. Do you want to go deeper? Okay, so he'll share us with us something that we may not completely understand, and we have, now have the choice. Am I going to just say, well, that was a neat story, and then move on with my life? Or am I going to pursue him to go deeper? And part of that, I believe, the reason he does that is, if he told us the whole truth and we really didn't want it yet, he'd, had to, he'd have to judge us a little more severely, that we, we weren't ready to handle it. So it's him putting this out and basically saying, if you want more, come see me. If not, you can just have this, this, this bite, and maybe someday you'll come back and you'll want to chew on it some more later. So, if, you don't, if you're not ready and you don't want to grow anymore, this is a good time to go to the bathroom, because I'm going to dig in a little deeper. So, if, this is not, if, if that's as far as you want to go, feel free to stop now. But if you want to go in deeper, I'm going to continue. The disciples wanted more. And so they were around Jesus after he, he talked about this parable, this story. And they came to him and they said, all right, Jesus, we know this means something, but we haven't figured it out yet. Can you tell us what this means? So we're going to pick up in verse 14. And Jesus is, is going to explain what the, uh, the parable meant. This is what he said. The sower sows the word. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. And in a similar way, the, these are the ones sown with seed on, rock, on the rocky places, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. 
and yet they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then, when affliction or persecution occurs because of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown with seed among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things enter and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And these are the ones sown with seed on the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 times as much. So here's Jesus. He's giving you the answers at the end of the test. He's telling you what it all means. But let's break it down a little bit more. So as you look at that story, who would you say is the sower? Who is the sower? God, yeah. Or whoever's speaking the word at the time could be too, right? So God, very good answer. You get a gold star. If you don't know, Jesus is always a good answer, okay? So yes, he is the sower. Then um, what is the seed? The word, yes. The word is the seed. And then what is the ground? I have a lot of, what? <laughs> Our hearts, yes. Us, right? So of those three things, remember this is a parable. He's just showing a story. Of those three things, there's only one of those that changes, okay? There's nothing wrong with the sower. There's nothing wrong with the seed. The only variable in this story is the ground, which is us, our hearts, okay? What that tells me, the reason Jesus shared this, I don't believe he shared this to just say, well, some of you just are not gifted and you're not going to be able to receive this. God created you so that you can't receive and just sorry. I don't believe that. I don't think he was just telling us this to show us that some people are not going to receive this. I think he was saying this because he actually created us to be powerful and have a free choice and we get to choose what kind of soil we have. We get to choose who we're going to be. What kind of ground are we going to have? So when the word comes, we get to decide how are we going to receive it. Now, sometimes we don't know what choice we're making. We just do it automatically out of habit, out of routine. Nonetheless, it is still our free will, our choice to choose how we're going to receive the word when it comes. So basically, when Jesus tells the parable, there are four kinds of hearts, four kinds of people. Okay? One of them is the seed sown in the path. The next one is the seed sown in the rocks. The third one is the seed sown in thorns. And the last one is the seed sown on good ground. Now, you can probably already guess which one you want to be, right? Let's start with the seed on the path, though. Let me explain what, what, he, um, what he's saying here. So I'm going to go back. I'm going to real quick read what he said about the seed on the path. This is verse 15. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. Here's the point I think I want to make on this. If you are not in a place where you're ready to grow, you're probably not going to. 
If you have not decided, I want to grow, if you're against that, there's a good chance you're probably not going to grow. Okay? And so if you, um, I don't know if you've ever done this. I have a scripture routine. I read a, a certain amount of scripture every morning. And I've done it for decades. Okay? I've done it so much, I can read through scripture and not expect to get anything out of it, and I'll get just what I expected. I, I can get into the routine because that's what a good boy does is read his Bible. But if I don't go in expecting that that word is going to speak to me, I'm probably, it's, it's, it's a lot less likely. It could, it could, but it's a lot less likely for it to speak to me. You know, it's possible to read through the whole Bible and never encounter God. It is totally possible. If you aren't reading through it expecting to encounter him, it is very possible for you to go through it and never, never um, encounter him. So it's really important that as we come in to any situation, we stay intentional. We don't get into a routine. It's real easy if you're used to hearing the same speakers over and over again to kind of know what their, their message is and come in and think, well, I already know what he's going to say. I'm just going to put my brain into neutral, and probably I'm not going to get anything out of it. It's also, if you don't expect to get anything, you might just say, well, that's a nice word, and then forget it. Last week, Corey did an amazing job. Don't you think he did? He brought some real life to Acts chapter 2, and he pulled some things out. But two of the things that he left us with were that we are to be fellowshipping and breaking bread together. That's a great word. But did you apply it? It's been a week. Did you fellowship and break bread? Or were you waiting for somebody to do that for you? Okay? Sorry, I didn't mean to step on toes, but if we come in and we expect God to speak to us, then those words that come to us, I should be expecting to apply. Otherwise, it's just trampled ground. The seeds are going to fall on it, and, and I'm just going to waste my time and move on. This happens. If I come in expecting something, it doesn't matter how inarticulate the speaker is. It doesn't matter how much I don't really like that song. If I come in expecting something, God will use it to speak to me. Most every year that I've been here, we start the year off with a fast, a 21-day fast. And one of the years I decided to do a different thing every day because, you know, it's not just fasting, it's prayer and fasting. And God called me one day. He said, I want you to listen to some gospel music that you don't like. And I want you to encounter me in it. And I thought, God, I don't like the music. How am I going to encounter you with it? And, but, but I thought, all right, this is going to be interesting. And so I put on, and I'm not going to tell you what kind because it's going to offend some of you because you really like it. But, but I sat and I listened to it. And all of a sudden, like, I am not into the, the tune. I'm not into the... the the sounds of it and God shows up and he starts speaking to me and he starts he starts showing me things and I'm thinking God why did you do this and he said because you expected me to something about faith coming and getting your hopes up right something about that coming in plows the ground in my heart so that I don't have trampled ground and I'm ready to receive what he has for me. 
Otherwise, any other time I'd listen to that music, I was not expecting to receive anything, and I got what I expected. We need to be constantly looking and expecting for God to speak to us in anything. If we come in expectant, he will show up. I've shared this a while ago, but one day when I was working in a counseling agency, um, we would keep notes for all of our sessions, and we had a, a nurse there and a, and a psychiatrist that would put post-its on us for, to let us know certain things. And I was just going through my day, um, and one day I saw a post-it note, and it said, this is all it said, it said, Josh, I am. And that was it. And I peeled it off, and I threw it in the trash, and I thought, wait a minute, who is the great I am? I'm like, God is speaking to me. He wants me to know that he is. And so I kept, I saved that. I keep it in my wallet. It's just a little note written that says, Josh, I am, to remind me to look for little things where God is showing up, where he's speaking to me. You know, sometimes we go in and we come into, whether it be worship, whether it be just life in general, and I think God gives us this big pile of dirt with a few gold nuggets in it, right? And we can be attracted to what, where the dirt is, or we can start digging and finding that there are gold nuggets in here. And last I checked, gold is worth over $1,700 an ounce. And if we keep that in mind, this pile of dirt doesn't really matter because I know that there's something in here that he's got for me, right? But if I've done this over and over again enough and I don't really even care, I just all I see is the dirt, all I can think about is that there's dirt, I probably won't even bother to pull the nuggets out of that. So as we come in, whether it be worship, whether it be any life situation, we want to come in expectant. God's giving us gold all the time. We don't want to get distracted by the dirt that's around it. All right, so that's the first kind of soil. The second kind of soil uh, is verses 16 and 17, the seed in the rocks. And in a similar way, these are the ones sown with seed on the rocky places who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And yet they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then, when affliction or persecution occurs because of the word, immediately they fall away. This is talking about those of us who get excited. And yet, problems come, and then we forget our excitement. I became a Christian because I thought it'd make life easier. Well, that was a mistake. How'd that work out for you? <laughs> when Mary learned that she was going to carry Jesus, her life did not get easier. It just got better. Okay? And so, we will stop pursuing. We will, we will have the ground, it starts to, to bubble up for the good things, but when difficult times come, that's the real test of whether we have good ground, whether our hearts are ready to handle what God has for us. And when pain comes, there are two kinds of pain. I want to tell you, and this is kind of weird because we're a church that believes in signs, wonders, and miracles, and healings, 
I want to tell you, though, that not all pain is necessarily a bad thing. Now, I don't think there's a lot of pain in heaven, but I think things do break God's heart, so maybe there is some pain in heaven because some things break his heart still. But in life, if you are gaining a lot of weight and your clothes are getting really tight on you, it is uncomfortable. The pain is telling you something. Something needs to change. You either go on a diet or you buy bigger clothes. But you don't want to stay in the pain. Pain is an indicator. So sometimes when we feel pain, pain might just be telling us that there's something wrong that we need to fix. A lot of times, our first instinct is to get rid of the pain rather than to deal with the issue. We don't, any of us have an aspirin deficiency in our bodies. Okay? And so... Yes, there are times that I will take an aspirin because I have a headache, but if, if that continues over and over, I don't want to have to live on aspirin. There's something wrong. I need to figure out what the problem is and deal with it. So sometimes in life, when things get difficult, we don't want to get so impressed by getting rid of the pain that we forget to figure out what the problem is underneath the pain and deal with that. You know what leprosy was and is? You see, you know, pictures of people with their bodies rotting away and, and these terrible things happening to them. But what leprosy actually is, it's a deadening of the nerves in your body. And so what leprosy actually is, it's, it's you lose the ability to feel pain. And so you keep banging your hands and arms and body into things and you, you cut yourself and you don't know it. And pretty soon your body begins to get infected and rot, rot away because you don't have pain. Having no pain can be a problem if you don't have that indicator to tell you that you need to respond and change something. So don't spend your life just trying to get rid of pain. Figure out where, what actually needs healed. Where's the problem? Let God make that better. A lot of times, you know, I work as in, in relationships and counseling, and it's happened a few times. A guy will come to me, and he says his wife left him. And his goal when he comes in is to help me, have me help him figure out how to convince her to come back. But the fact that she left is not the problem. It's a symptom of the problem. What we really need to work on is figuring out why did she leave? And what do we need to do to work on that and fix that and make things better? Now, there is another kind of pain pain that is not feedback, pain that is resistance from the enemy, pain that is resistance from people who just don't like what you're doing. And yes, there is something broken, but it's not necessarily in you, it's outside of you. We live in a broken world, and so there will be pain that isn't indicating you that you need to adjust anything necessarily. It's just indicating that there are broken people around you and broken situations around you. I'd like to pick up um, a little bit where Corey left off last week uh, in the book of Acts with this one. So Corey talked about the church growth and the gathering together and, and they get together and, and spend time worshiping and spend time fellowshipping. And as the, the church grew, they would also see signs and wonders. So Acts chapter 2 is a great explosion of this. You get into Acts chapter 3 and um, it talks about... Um, a story with uh, Paul and, or sorry, with Peter and John, and they go into the synagogue, which is the the religious uh, worship place for the Jewish people, 
they go into the synagogue and there's this guy who's lame and I don't mean that he wasn't any fun to be with I mean he actually was lame couldn't walk and he had been there for some time and everybody who walked in he would you know people would beg um, there and he was one of them because that was their social security at the time that's how they, they helped people who had no other means the government didn't do it the church did it which is not a bad idea really but anyways he would sit there and everybody would walk by him everybody knew this guy and so he did what he normally does Peter and John walk by he's like you know can I have anything and Peter looks at him and he says I don't have anything but what I do have I'm going to give that to you get up and walk now, of course, if, if you've gone years walking into church and there's this lame guy sitting outside and maybe a few times you even gave him money and you know who he is and everybody else does and he, he's up walking around, people are probably going to notice that. A guy that you've seen every day, lame, is now walking, people are probably going to notice that. And the church grew to 5,000 at that point because it's a really great evangelistic tool to have somebody who's never walked start walking. Everybody wants some more of that, right? The thing is, though, then Peter would start teaching, and he would say things like, you know what, Jesus is real, and these are the Jewish people. Because of, of our religion, uh, we wanted him killed. But don't worry, it's not your fault, because you didn't know any better. Okay? And there's good news. He rose again from the dead, and give your lives to him put your trust in him and and you'll be saved and he was saying these things and it stirred up the religious leaders they did not like this and so um peter and john were then arrested because the religious leaders didn't like what they were bringing and what they realized after they were they were arrested is these guys were just normal guys they weren't anybody super special, but they had seen something extraordinary. They had experienced something that was amazing. And so they didn't know what to do with them. And so they warned them and they said, well, I guess you guys can go. You didn't really do anything, but don't talk about this Jesus guy anymore. Just stop talking about him and don't do any miracles or anything like that. Just live your life and be quiet, okay? And so Peter looks at them. He says, we can't do that. Our lives have been changed our lives have been transformed. I cannot go back. I have to, to proclaim this. So they still let them go, amazingly. And then I want to pick out this verse in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, 29 through 31. And now, Lord, look at their threats and grant it to your bondservants to speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus and when they had prayed the place where they had gathered was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness let me translate that for you God all of that stuff that we did that just got us into all kinds of trouble give us more of that that's what they said how were they able to look at the the difficulty the pain they knew that they were already arrested once they knew it was probably only going to get worse how were they able to do that to go through the pain that was coming i mean the the 
the apostles were all martyred except one who John who who died in exile how were they able to go through that well I'll tell you how is because they had vision for something bigger than their pain if you don't have vision if you can't look forward to what good God has you're going to go through difficult times and want to quit but if I have vision if I see what good things God has I will push through whatever pain I'm in because I know that there's something better on the other side when I was getting ready to get married to Angie I love to tell this story I wanted to buy a diamond ring and so what I did is I took everything that I owned and sold it. And I mean, you know, other than my car, I needed something to, to drive around. I, I still had a bed. You know, I didn't live out on the street homeless. But everything that, that I didn't need to survive, all of my comic books and baseball cards and books and things like that, everything I had, I sold it. And it was a joy. It was actually fun because I knew what I was looking, I had vision for what I was going to do. I did that again later on in life when I was planning a trip to Brazil with uh, Randy Clark's ministry. I didn't want to burden a bunch of people with giving to me because God put it in my heart that I had the means to do it if I just get rid of some stuff. And I got rid of like everything. Andrew's afraid I was going to sell the children. <laughs> but I didn't. And it was such a joy to be free of that, but it's also a joy knowing well, I'm giving up. It cost me something. But I know I have vision for what's going to come. And it was life-changing. It was life-transforming. So two things about pain when it, when it comes, and it will. Discern what the pain is saying and don't allow the pain to distract you from what you have vision for. Sometimes pain is there to change you. And sometimes vision is what will change you. But change is coming. Now, I would prefer to change because of vision than pain. But either way, pain is probably going to be part of your life. All right, the third kind of soil is the seed in the thorns, Mark 4, 18 and 19. And others are the ones sown with seed among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things enter and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. The thorns are talking about distractions in life, and it talks about a couple of kinds of distractions. One of them is worry. It isn't pain it's worrying about being in pain. <laughs> I'm not in pain yet, but I know if I apply this word to my life, I probably am going to get persecuted. <laughs> All right? But I'm not even in pain yet. Have you ever noticed that, that it's usually worse worrying about pain than it is actually having the pain? I mean, how many of you, if, if you ever have a job you don't like and it's Sunday afternoon... And you're thinking, gosh, i got to go into work tomorrow. It's going to be so horrible. But you get there on Monday, and it's like, I'm back in routine. It's fine. It's worse thinking about going back to work on Monday 
than it is actually being at work on Monday, right? The other side of that, though, is the other distraction is selfish ambition. Thinking about, well, what more could I get? Could I have more wealth? Could I be more popular? What are the things I could get? The thing is, both worry and selfish ambition are basically saying that we're better doing things, better off doing things without God because we're not sure if he's going to give me enough money, if he's going to protect me when there's pain, if he's going to be there for me. I better do this myself. I better take care of, you know, make sure that I don't get hurt, or I better make sure that I, I prosper because trusting God to help me to prosper will not be enough. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think that we should plan to, to try to have pain. Jesus endured the cross. He didn't enjoy it, right? He went through it because it was the way that he needed to go. But he wasn't looking to, how can I have more pain in my life? And on the other side, I don't think it's bad to plan for life to have good things happen in life. But we need to do that with the Lord, not because we're afraid he won't help us through it. We don't, we don't want to become so independent that we only rely on ourselves. We actually want to become dependent on him, interdependent on each other. So what I want to say for that one is what we want to do is we want to put God in his rightful place. Now, everybody in here will say, well, yes, God is important to me. He's third place. I mean, he's got the bronze medal. He's very important to me. You know, I've got taking care of myself is, is the highest, you know, and then I got making sure that I, I'm protected. You know, one of the things that, that um, I've read a little bit about businesses, you know, every business will say our employees are important. The problem is they may come in third place. We want to make sure that the customer is happy and we make sure we make money, but our employees are important third place. And the, the problem with that is it doesn't usually work out that employees don't feel cared for and money is not being made and, and the customers aren't happy because employees aren't happy. We want to put God in first place. Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you. If we seek him first, we put him in first place, we give him the gold medal, let him decide where silver and bronze fall then everything will come into line. Another thing I want to mention, too, is this, this whole worry thing. I want to recommend to you, if you have a lot of problems going on in your life, share less of your problems with other people before you hear about their problems as well. Because what happens is, if you're only telling other people about how rough your life is, you suck. You go around people and all they have, they feel this burden, this sucking coming from you. Help me, help me, help me. And there's nothing pouring back the other way. You all know people who suck, don't you? <laughs> it isn't that your problems are not important, but if, if, if the other person doesn't feel like you care about where their life is and what they're going through, if they don't feel that, there's this pull coming constantly and they're going to want to be around you less. Okay, so relationship basically means there's there's a going back and forth. 
So before you go to a pastor and tell them what you hate about how we do things in our church, why don't you just first ask them, how's things going for you? Right? Doesn't mean that, that you might not have a good point. You might actually have some really good information. But if I feel like you care about me, my personal health, my, my family, my vision, if I know you've got my vision, I can hear into yours much better. But if all you're coming to me is about how rough your life is, how much you're complaining, I will deal with that. I will passively, but I'm not going to be looking forward to spending more time with you. I mean, it's, and you know how that is in your life. You don't want to be constantly pouring out. It's got to be an exchange back and forth. All right, so the fourth kind of soil is the seed in the good soil. And, of course, this is where we want to be. This is Mark 4.20. And these are the ones sown with seed on the good soil. And they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 times as much. Now, I want to say a lot of preachers like to talk about how what do we need to do to be 30, what do we need to do to be 60, what do I need to do to be 100. I don't know and I don't care as long as I'm bearing fruit. Okay? If it's 30, if it's 60, it's 100, I'm not comparing me to you. I just want to make sure I'm bearing fruit. And if I can do more, I want to do it. These are people who come in and they're ready to grow. They're ready to grow in any situation. They're controlling what I can. I get to control what kind of soil I am. I don't get to control what kind of seed is cast on me. I don't choose that. God knows what he wants to put, put on me. I just make sure I've got good soil from it. So once again, I, just, I, I, want, I want to mention that healthy things grow. The things we want to do that we can learn from the, the other three kinds of soil to make sure that we have good, healthy soil, we come in to life, not just to church service, but to life with expectation. That if God's got me here, he must be up to something. He must have something good. And then when pain comes, what do I, what do I need to, to learn from it? If there's something that I don't like, I need, I need to make one of, of basically three adjustments. I need to work on the problem or work on my attitude. Maybe the problem isn't the problem. Maybe it's my attitude that's the problem. Or I guess the third choice, and, and I don't recommend this one, the third choice is just to keep complaining to people and never change anything. I mean, those are basically the choices you have when a problem comes up. Then make sure that we have vision, as I said. Vision is what will help us get through pain when it comes, that I, I know where I'm going, know what I'm going after, and I believe in it. And then um, the last thing is when God gives you good fruit, share it. Share it. There's a story. This, this, there's a story of a, a um, county fair prize, maybe state fair prize corn farmer. And every year he'd have the best corn. And so everybody's like, you know, what's your secret? How did? You, how were you able to have the best corn crop every year, year after year? What did you do? And he said, Oh, well, that's easy. Here's what I did. Every year when I had this prize corn crop. I take it, and I go to the farms around me, and I give it to them to plant all around my, my my farm. And that way, whatever way the wind blows, what gets blown into my field, 
is the good crop that I just grew the year before. And that's what we want to do around us, is that seed that we, we grow, that fruit that we bear, we share it with those around us because there are going to be times that I'm going to need something, right? And if I pour it out, if I've shared it to those around me, whatever way the wind is blowing, I'm going to have it blown back to me. That's what I'm going to get. So let's, uh, I'm going to invite the, uh, the team to come on up. And um, why don't you stand up with me? Also invite the, uh, the prayer teams to come forward if, you, if there are people who would like um, some extra prayer. There are some of you this morning that that spoke to, but you're going to need to come in with expectation and, and decide to walk this out. So some of you want to receive expectation right now. That's what we're going to pray for. Others are, are dealing with pain. And you're trying to figure out, what is this pain communicating to me? I'd love to just get rid of the pain, but God, are you is, is the pain an indicator that I need to adjust something in my life? Others can't figure out where your vision is because you're going through pain and you're forgetting what your vision was. And it feels really hard right now because you've forgotten your vision. I want to invite you to just receive a blessing and anointing to bear good fruit. Now, if you today, if you don't know Jesus, if you've not given your life to him, that'd be a great place to start. There's a lot of amazing fruit that will come from just stepping forward and saying, I want to follow Jesus. I want to give my life to him. All right. So put your hand on your heart. Lord, thank you for the word today. Thank you for the, the parable of the sower, but it's really a parable of the soil. Lord, um, we choose to have hearts of good soil for your word. We choose to receive and walk out what you give to us and to sift through whatever frustrations we go through to find the nuggets of gold and go after that. Lord, I bless everybody here in Jesus' name to be your hands and feet to the world around us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you would like prayer for any of those things or anything else, if you have a, a pain in your body, if you have a physical issue, if you have a burden, we've got prayer teams up here. We would love to spend some time praying with you. Otherwise, we just bless you to go out and be Jesus to the world around you. Have a great day.